bringing you cutting-edge insights from the world of technology. Join us to hear thought leaders explore the ever-evolving world of technology and telecoms to keep your industry knowledge up to the minute. You are listening to The Spearline Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to the third episode of The Spearline Podcast. Last episode, we covered some interesting topics such as the customer experience and the Spearline platform. Be sure to check it out on our website and podcast platforms like Spotify and iTunes if you haven't already. Now this week, I'll be talking to technical solutions architect Ola Budak about her role and how important number testing is. Hi Ola, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, hi Case, hi everyone, um, thank you for having me. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background? Well, it is customer services for more than a decade with a mixture of everything that it's related to it, including telecom industry. Cool. And what drew you to come to Ireland and work here? <laughs> That's a funny story. I came to visit my sister during the summer holiday season, really. And summer in West Cork was so beautiful. I was charmed by the people, scenery and everything and just simply said, yes, this is the place I want to be. And it happened. Excellent. Very nice. And um, so your role as a technical solutions architect, um, what, what, what does that actually involve? So I am involved in the pre-sales process as well as assisting all business units, sales, customer engagement, devs, product, marketing and new and existing customers. It's basically f- everything from training to test configuration and drafting new test type specifications. Oh, excellent. So it involves a lot of different areas really yes it um, does so could you tell me um what what would be some key advantages of your role so part of the job i love is having the opportunity to work with all teams and customers and dynamics of the role is what i enjoy and also the fact that a big part of it includes technical aspect. I also love these moments of satisfactions when we are the first to identify the issue and to hear customer has resolved it. Um, Happy customers, it's what makes me really happy. Oh, excellent. And how is Spearline different to uh, other similar companies? Um, What what do you get? Um, That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) There is a lot and um, I'm just going to give you a few. So excellent support, customer engagement team, um, 24-7 support, uh, on-demand trainings. We have um, wide coverage. We have lifetime alerting um, for the customers. Um, Customers have full control of testing. They test how and when they want. Um, Basically, we give customers peace of mind and... um, because we look after their numbers. Um, we always listen to our customers and we're we simply the best. <laughs> <laughs> and also we are giving customers spearline benchmarks so they can fairly compare how their country numbers are performing against other tests in country. Okay. So you mentioned um, spearline benchmarking. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about what, what that is and how different it is um, to other countries? No problem. So Spearline Benchmark is a three-month rolling report of um, average audio quality of all tests conducted per country. This gives our customer baseline so they can do true comparison on how their numbers in country were performing against the entire country. So quality from country to country may vary. There are countries where in general 
average quality will be lower than in other countries due for uh, due to for example um, in country online infrastructure okay so that that's really interesting actually um so the quality benchmark really depends on a country's infrastructure and Spearline can ad- identify these issues then for a customer um that that can be really important information to have for customers yes exactly yeah so last episode we had Carol and Deirdre on from the product team on the show um, talking a little bit about the product. Um, could you explain a little bit further on why testing is important? Yeah, that's my favorite question, is I, it? I think. <laughs> <laughs> so let's imagine the number is not accessible for a short while at the same time every day and customers cannot reach out to it. This issue can be easily missed um, as it may not be detected or may not be reported by the endpoint customer okay. who may never call this number again. So if you proactively monitor performance of your numbers, you will know before the customers, um, before your customers notice and you'll be able to spot the trends and fix issues faster. Um, you will then deliver excellent and error-free services. So um, one, I, I, I just wanted to mention one more thing here. So mm. one of our goal is to help any company um, that is involved in telecoms, whether it is a carrier or a contact center, to improve their customer experience. Okay. And what kind of problems would customers be facing? So the main one would be when the number is not accessible for whatever reason. But this is when we come and alert our customers of this fact so they can quickly jump on it and resolve it. A very poor quality is the other main one. High line quality is a very important factor. It is nearly part of branding, if you know, okay, yeah. like if you know what I mean. Um, if it's high all the time, endpoint customers are always happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if it is becoming worse, it's slow or very bad. So end-to-end conversation cannot be held and call needs to be discontinued. For customers, it is not always possible to detect these issues, but this is when we come in again. Okay. Um, we basically give customers visibility of quality performance of end-to-end connection by replicating their customer experience. Okay, very interesting. And what what type of different um, types of Spearline tests are there? So we have a wide range of test types available, including manual or on-demand testing. Um, There are loads of scenarios available to simulate endpoint customers' experience. Depending on the test type, we can measure post-dial delay, connectivity, quality using PESC, DTMF or CLI recognition, latency. We can also simulate outbound activity from um, our customers' infrastructure to chosen in-country numbers so customers are able to monitor their own routes. Excellent. And for example, on-demand testing, um, how does this actually work? So customers have access to manual tester. Um, It's a soft phone which allows them to generate the call in-country anytime they need. For example, to check if newly provisioned number is operational or to verify if number is finally accessible once carrier advise them that the issue has been resolved. There's no need to ask technician who is located in France, for example, to test a French toll-free number. You can easily do it yourself and your location is not limiting you. Okay. Um, the, the important thing to mention here is that CDRs for manual activity are populated live and can be easily exported to CSV um, if needed. And 
to be honest with you, that's one of my favorite tools um, on the platform. Okay, excellent. So there's a lot of valuable information a customer can get from just one test. Exactly. Well, thanks a million for chatting with me, Ola. I appreciate you taking the time coming onto our show. No problem. No problem at all. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. So, Case, I don't know if I ever told you this, right? But my favorite part of a ship, particularly a pirate ship, Mm -hmm. right, is um, the flag. Ah, you do so, love your pirates. Yeah. I, I do, yeah. Like I, I always want to be a sailor. Um, yeah, it, it's the fl- the reason why is uh, the flag. It, like it, it's just so cool. It's on this black background, skull on it, two swords or bones or whatever. But I'll tell you what's an even cooler flag: the fiber optic link around the globe. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's otherwise, otherwise titled as flag. Sounds like an interesting flag. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Well, it is because it's the longest phone cable in the world. So it's not even a flag. That's how interesting it is. Wow. Uh, yeah, well, it connects through the UK, Japan, uh, India, and loads of other places. Um, and can carry over 600 calls at one time. Wow. Yeah. Cool. You wouldn't want that broken now, would you? No, definitely not. <laughs> Fishermen, uh, be careful. Yeah. <laughs> Watch out for those flags. Yeah. Uh, that is really interesting, actually. Um, I have one for you, Josh. Yeah. Did you know that Nigeria, Ghana, and Bangladesh essentially skipped the landline era? Really? I went straight to mobile. Oh. Yeah. So most nations, like North America and Europe, they all have landline uh, resources put in. Yeah. But fewer than 1% of homes in these countries have landlines. And oh. it doesn't mean that they're totally cut off, though, because right, yeah, 85% yeah, yeah, yeah. all have cell phones. So they okay. use cell phones more than landlines. Oh, okay. yeah. So they just completely skipped that whole era while we were like... Exactly, yeah. Delay, yeah. Makes sense. So uh, I was probably actually this morning or after nearly. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, stay tuned. Uh, this is a new segment called Fun Facts. And myself and Case will be blasting you guys with some new facts each, each week. Um, so stay tuned. Next up, Josh will sit down with Patrick Lynch, a service reliability engineer at Spearline who's going to tell us a little bit about his role and how SRE has been adopted by more companies. Welcome, Patrick, to the show. It's great to finally have a member of the development team on here. Now, would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners, please? Give me us a quick rundown on your background and your role here in the company. Uh, hi, thanks, Josh, for having me. Um, my name is Patrick Lynch. Um, I'm part of the development team here at Spearline, and uh, my role is uh, Site Reliability Engineer. So... Um, my job is to make sure that everything's up and running, all our systems and all our internal tools are working inside in the company. And as well as that, um, I liaise with the other development team members as well to help make sure that their job is as easy as possible. Mm. Oh, wow. Jeez. So you're like, you're like the glue that keeps everything together, uh, really. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, but yeah, like uh, everyone here, it's like we're... Kind of all like um, we work together com- uh, collaboratively as a team, but um, the way our systems are set up at the moment, I'm kind of the point of contact for like uh, a lot of our do- uh, testing uh, environments and stuff like that. Oh, brilliant! brilliant. Our testing on. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. Um, and so, like, how how did you fall into the role now? Yeah, so uh, I joined Spearline in 2016. So okay. I formerly was a primary school teacher. So I actually went back to college in 20. 20- 15 and I did a conversion course in UCC in uh, uh, applied computing technology Mm -hmm. and then in 2016 I joined Spearline as a junior software engineer. Wow okay 
So, like, you were you were previously a primary school teacher. Like, what what made you switch career from that to spear line? Like, what what attracted you to the role? Um, yeah, it's kind of interesting. When I was actually in uh, Mary Immaculate College, I had done modules on teaching through technology. Yeah, and it was something that I had always been really interested in, like just um, not only using technology but developing technology of your own. Oh, yeah. So I kind of had an opportunity uh, around 2015 to go back to college and do this. So, like, because I had such an interest in it, I, I went back and um, I loved it so much that I really kind of wanted to start a career in it. Good, and yeah. uh, I was lucky enough that Spearline gave me the opportunity to to join and oh, work very in good. the industry here. Yeah, like because it's 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 a relatively um it's a relatively new role with a lot of companies. Like I know that like when I was doing my research yeah. on this, that uh it's it's Google were the kind of one of the first ones to kind of yeah. Google kind of developed it as a system back in two thousand and three, I think. Yeah. So it was kind of a way for them to. They found that there was a lot of kind of um bottlenecking between like administrative work and development work yeah and they found that they were hiring more and more system administrators but they thought there could be a way that we could develop you know software that could actually do this so they came up with the concept of site reliability and a lot of that would be automating processes that like system administration workers would have to do manually so Mm -hmm. it's kind of repetitive tasks so Uh, like updating servers and stuff like that was something that they kind of developed this role for uh, initially. And then other companies, like you said, have adopted it. So maybe they might not have it in that kind of umbrella of uh, social reliability engineering, but they have it in some uh, shape or form, I'd say a lot of companies would. Brilliant, brilliant. So like it's it's very uh, heavy based on coding and software development. Yeah, so there's a lot of uh, software development involved in it. So a lot of it would be developing the systems that run automation. So that might be developing scripts or it might be using automated uh, technology. Okay. So, for example, we use a technology called Jenkins, which uh, you can use to build like things automatically in the background for developers. So, for example, one of the things that we do is we... Um, we upload code and then we spin up uh, test environments for us to test that code safely so that it doesn't impa- impact our live systems. So oh, that's okay. one of the re- uh, ways that we use Jenkins to to um, automate part of our processes that we use here. Brilliant, brilliant. And um, what kind of, uh, so like you were mentioning Jenkins there, like what kind of tools and programming languages and architecture are you like familiar with? Yourself? Yeah, so... I think most developers would say that you kind of have to be an all-rounder. You have to be able to touch an awful lot of different technologies that you're using. Yeah. So, like, the main ones that we would be using at the moment would be, uh, we would use Jenkins, but then we use, like, PHP, JavaScript, uh, Node.js. We'd also use Python as well for a lot of our scripting. Mm-hmm. So, like, Python is one of the most popular uh, coding languages that are out there. So it's really easy to adapt and to use to your specifications that you want. So, like, for example, one of the things that you might want to do is, um, so we use a lot of our Python scripts for analyzing audio. Yeah. So Python has a lot of 
libraries and stuff that you can use as well to help analyze with audio and stuff like that. So oh. it, it's it's a very powerful tool that we use. Yeah, it sounds good. And like I I I'm familiar with like just the bare minimum of those. So like JavaScript and jQuery and like yeah. standard HTML is what I was taught in college. But uh, yeah, Python sounds fantastic. Like it's yeah, it's it's a really powerful uh, language, and it's uh, one of those languages that have gained popularity because of how powerful it is and yeah. it's one of those languages as well that you can pick it up fairly quickly and like a lot of developers now you would see that they're after shifting to python because of how easy it is to train up someone new or to like it's really good as well for like you can develop almost anything from python oh uh, wow so yeah. like it's it's a really powerful language to use yeah and um, going from that, has there been anything new that you've learned since since starting the new role? Or, or yeah, so I took over this role. It's about twelve months okay, since yeah, I started yeah. this role, so I'm still fairly new to it. But yeah, there's a lot of new technology, so I would never have used Jenkins before. Um, we use uh, a lot of uh, container um, technology as well, so we use uh, Docker as well, which is something that the company has adopted in the last 12 months as well. Okay. So basically what Docker is, it's like a form of um, virtual machines. So it's like uh, spinning up a virtual server that you can run your code on safely. Oh, wow. So for example, like our platform, we can uh, spin up as many uh, Docker images or virtual machines as we want to run tests on. And like if one of those fails, it doesn't matter because we have you know, lots of backups and failovers and stuff like that. So like Docker is another one of those tools that is really powerful. And like, it's something that it's a lot of companies have been moving over to, to as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cool, cool. And um, so what a usual day for you to be to resolve any issues we could potentially face. So yeah, so it's very hard in development to say that there's like a typical day because every day is kind of different and there's yeah. like different challenges and issues that come up. But yeah, a lot of what we would, like everyone in development would be, a lot of it would be, I would say, a portion of it would be like fixing bugs or, you know, something that someone might have found. Yeah. And then the other portion of it would be to develop new features and stuff like that. So, like, you try and balance what we have with trying to innovate with uh, new things that we want to put on stream as well. So it's kind of a balancing act between those. But in terms of site reliability, uh, it would be kind of a split between maybe 60-40 in terms of, like, 40% dealing with issues, 60% trying to... Um, develop new processes and stuff that we can use okay so never a dull moment so no, really never, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> and um what does what does your metrics and monitoring system uh setup look like like how, how do you debug issues with the system yeah so uh every company is probably different with the way they do this but at the moment the way we do it is we kind of have a multiple prong approach to this so like you would have your logs. So we would set up a logging system so that our code would actually send logs to the system. So take, for example, you log onto our platform and you notice that uh, there's an error coming up. So like those errors are kind of sent to a log. As well, we have like dashboards and stuff set up so we can monitor like uh, load on our system and stuff like that as well. So we, we never really want like we know that if there's an excessive load on our system, 
that there's obviously an issue somewhere, so we have to fix that. Okay. Yeah. And we also have like alerting systems set up as well. So like in our platform, when customers use our platform, they can set up alerts yeah. for any like issues with their numbers. We have something similar here as well. Oh, so like nice. if we have uh, issues with a certain testing environment that we're using, those alerts get sent out to people so that they know like we have an issue here. So we, you can resolve the yeah, problem instantly. Yeah, we can instantly. resolve it yeah. instantly and those problems will never reach the customer. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and then we have like another good uh, part of our monitoring system is we have an excellent QA team here as well. So, yeah. like they would do all our testing. So, like they would like feedback to us if there's any issues with any code or um, any of our platforms that we have great, as well. great. So you're like the first line of defense for <laughs> making sure uh, everything runs smoothly. Yeah, so <laughs> like it, it would be between myself and uh, a lot of the other developers on the um, team as well. So like everyone kind, well, everyone can kind of uh, cover a lot of our systems. Like yeah. there are certain people who would have, uh, you know, they would have developed the system. So maybe they might be the first yeah. port of call. But yeah, everyone kind of, they don't do it yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's brilliant. Brilliant. And uh, earlier in the episode, we had junior technical solutions architect Ola on, and she was discussing about her role yeah. and uh, how she's very back and forth with different departments. And you had mentioned that earlier, actually. Um, would your role be something similar? Like, would you be deeply involved with other groups, or does development just get the information and work with it? Or, like, are you constantly meeting up? And um, there's a lot of collaboration between every department in the company. Yeah. So like, for example, like customer engagement and uh, Ola and David, who are TSAs, yeah. they would be using our platform every day. And then you would have like uh, testing support who use our job tester platform every day as well. Yeah. So in development, we're obviously developing new things and we're working on issues. So if an issue comes up, they're usually the first ones to report it to us. Okay, yeah. So you have a lot of commu- intercommunication between departments that way. Which is always important. Yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. yeah, and not only that, but they're also like our first um, kind of point of contact with our customers. Yeah. So like if there's a new feature that they feel customers need or customers want, yeah. they feed that back to us and we can say like, yes, it's possible to develop or, you know, we might have a little bit of tweaks or whatever that we feel might benefit the customer more yeah. and stuff like that. So yeah, there would be a lot of kind of collaboration between teams. Well, that's good. Uh, like communication is key. Like you want yeah, to be with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even then you have uh, communication within the development department itself. Yeah. So like between like uh, back end and front end. So like if there's an issue with the, with one of our servers, like it's kind of related to the front end team so that they know then that like, we're seeing issues coming in here because of this. And then you have obviously QA as well. So yeah. like they're obviously testing our systems constantly to make sure that everything's running smoothly so they can feed that back to us. And like we have teams as well in India and Romania. So you also have like a lot of collaboration between those teams as well. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's it's a great way for like it's very interactive between the team, all the teams, like, yeah, so, which and, is really good. And, and with the, like, we had the, we had the product team on like a previous episode. Yeah. Um, and they were mentioning about like trying to make the platform as user-friendly as possible yeah. and stuff. And that, like, that's down to you guys as well. Like, like you want to make sure that everything, like you were saying, make it runs fine for the customer and yeah. makes it run perfectly user-friendly. So yeah, that's good. Great. And um, going from that, like what, what would be some key advantages or aspects of your role in the company that you like yourself? So I think one of the key aspects of it is that 
site reliability engineering really is about making processes as easy and as quick as possible for everyone in the company. So like developers and, you know, when someone uh, issues a ticket for an issue that they might have, that the process is almost as uh, automated as possible. So yeah. like from the moment, let's say you have a ticket that you put in for uh, an issue for development, that basically it's not until the developer actually has to do the coding and look at the code yeah. that they actually have to do anything. So that's kind of one of the the big benefits and I think like look because uh, I did a bit of study of when Google did it as well a lot of it as well is to do with um, like failover so like the amount of issues that are actually impacting customers are cut down to a minimum oh yeah so like we have uh, processes in now where um, you know it's very easy for uh, issues to be um, fixed and then to go they go through QA and then if there's still a further issue which is possible, it comes back. So, like, we have the process in place that the customer is always uh, getting the optimal product so that, you know, they're never really having to face these issues again, you know? Yeah, oh, brilliant. And, uh, like, you were mentioning about Google there, like, there was actually this really good quote I read in an article Mm -hmm. on site reliability engineering um, quite recently. And one of the Google engineers says that, we say you should automate yourself out of a job every 18 months. Would it be true to say that your role goes along those lines, like where you fix something and then figure out a way so that you never have to do that task again? Yeah, so automation is kind of the biggest part of site reliability. Yeah. So it's kind of those everyday mundane tasks that you should be able to automate are something that uh, is kind of built into the job description for site reliability. So that would be the goal that, you know, no developer should really be having to do the same bit of coding or the same uh, job more than once, really. That they're always looking to innovate and build, like, new products or new features that help, you know, growth and help the customer. Keep striving forward. Yeah, exactly. So those kind of things help with innovation because you spend less time on actually doing the mundane tasks and you have more time to freed up so that you can actually build out systems that are either faster or, you know, they're better or, you know, they're exactly what customers want. Oh. So, like, that's kind of one of the main kind of catch-alls for social liability. Great. Um, Patrick, you were fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on. It Thanks was really much, good. Josh. And it was really good speaking to you and hopefully we'll get you back again. <laughs> right. Thanks, Josh. All the best. Well, that was some really insightful stuff for this episode of the Spearline Podcast. Thanks again to our two esteemed guests for taking the time keeping you informed and up to date with all the latest news. Be sure to find us on your favourite podcast platform. All these linked below along with our multitude of social media accounts. And while you're at it, give us a like and a share. Keep your eyes peeled and your ears tuned for the next episode of the Spearline Podcast. Coming soon. Spearline proactively monitors phone numbers for audio quality and connectivity globally. Our platform enables enterprises and telecommunications service providers to test connectivity and quality on global telecoms networks, testing automatically at volume. If you would like to find out more about how Spearline can help you, please contact us at Spearline.com. And for more insights and in-depth interviews like these, you can subscribe to the Spearline Podcast channel. And don't forget to check out Spearline.com, where you can find all of our latest articles, white papers, and much more. Until next time, and thank you for listening to The Spearline Podcast.